Praise God. Um, like I said uh, this morning, it is uh, Pentecost Sunday, and um, I want to talk about um, Pentecost today, um, what it meant and what it means. Um, in order to uh, understand this, um, we, we have to go back into a little bit of, of uh, history, um, which uh, um, we sort of left off in, in Passion Week when we talked all about what was going on in the Passover feast. Um, and you, you can't talk about Pentecost without tying it to that story. Um, and so um, what, you have to remember where the people left off. Now, we talked about this extensively about the mindset of the people in Jerusalem, uh, that they were shattered when they realized that Jesus wasn't going to be the king who they thought he was going to be, that he wasn't going to raise the sword and, you know, charge Pontius Pilate and, you know, go all crouching tiger on him and jump and do flips in the air and shoot arrows, you know, whatever. He wasn't doing that, and so they're all disillusioned. So even though they had just welcomed him with hosannas, uh, you know, five days later they're all crucify him and they want to get rid of him and so he dies right there in front of thousands and thousands of people and then they all go home what a depressing story what a terrible terrible story <laughs> and for many of them they just go home and, and they, they go and they tell everybody at home what they saw did you see the rabbi yeah yeah I saw oh was he awesome well, at first. Did he, like, heal people? Yeah. In fact, there was even a guy that was dead and became a zombie or something. <laughs> well, did you need, like, amazing? Well, yeah, he did lots of amazing things, but then they killed him. So it's over. Now, I think of the men who were going down the road to Emmaus and that depression that seemed to be on them, the confusion, and that's where I want you to get your head around where they were at. We thought, we had hoped he would be the one to restore us. We had hoped and now we're confused and we're wounded and we feel let down and, and you know, does God even love us? Does he know, like what just happened? And they all go home. Well, um, the, uh, uh, the other side of it <clears throat> is this. The religious leadership is breathing a, a huge sigh of relief. Huge. Do you remember d while everybody was marching into Jerusalem that the Pharisees look at each other and as they're watching the crowds and they say, look, the whole world has gone after him. Now we read that as a simple declarative sentence, but you can't, you have to read it with like, you know, evil villain face. The whole world has gone after him. You know, that's what was going on here. They were, they hated him. And the reason is because they had, they, they, had the, they had the power and the authority and the clout and all these things. And they thought if we can kill the shepherd, the sheep will scatter and everything will be okay. And so they killed him. And they were feeling pretty good about themselves. They're all high-fiving. Even the Pharisees and Sadducees were high-fiving a little bit before they went back to, you know, writing snotty articles on their blogs after that about each other. But um, for a brief time, they came together and there was solidarity among these wonderful, proud people. And um, uh, so they're excited and then they start catching these rumors that are just out there and they're so ridiculous, it's just stupid. 
But some people are believing them. They have these rumors that Jesus like, came back from the dead. Ridiculous, especially if you're a Sadducee, because Sadducees know that nobody comes back from the dead. And now you've got these dumb rumors. Okay, well, just these backwater hicks might believe that. You know, we don't. We're not, we're not intimidated that way, but we're worried. Just a little bit, it's not a big deal, but we don't particularly like those rumors very much. Okay, are you with me? All right, so there's the scene. Now, um, Jesus, in the meantime, has, in fact, risen from the dead, and he's hanging out with his disciples. And um, after they've gotten over their shock and disbelief and all these things, they have breakfast with him. And this is interesting. He actually eat, Jesus actually eats breakfast. Isn't that cool? Resurrected body eats breakfast. I have a feeling that the gift of really good food is going to continue even after we have resurrected bodies. And, and that's good news. I'm serious. I'm serious. Like, who thinks we're all just going to be these, like, ethereal spirits floating around, like, maybe bumping into each other? Or maybe we just go right through each other. We're like, hey. It's not that. It's so much better than that. It's gonna, I think we're going to eat good food. I do. And I think we're going to play sports. And I think we're going we're gonna to play music and we're going to sing. And it's not just going to be like the same repetitive thing like for a thousand years that we're all we're a little worried about. So it's just basically holy, holy, holy. That's it. That's all we get to say. And it's going to be so much more exciting than that. And I think we're going to write stories. And I think we're going to paint. And this is not my sermon. But I'm just telling you. <laughs> all right. I think that's good news, isn't it? All right. Sorry, that was, I, I had absolutely not planned to go into that. Anyway, Jesus is talking to them, uh, gathering them together. Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And I wonder if Jesus was still like, Seriously? He's so patient with these guys, you know. They're still asking that question, which I think is fascinating. Okay, he said to them, it's not for you to know times or epics which the Father has fixed his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, in other words, the nation, the, the, the area of Israel, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. I wonder if that even stung them a little bit, going, what, wait a minute, but there's no Jews there. It's like, Exactly. All right? So that's the message he's giving them. And so he's there with them. And then after 40 days and appearing to hundreds of people, he, he goes and he ascends into the skies. I thought about how Jesus chose who he was going to appear to. I mean, he was going to appear to his disciples and those who are around him. But I wonder if like the people on the road to Emmaus, I wonder if he was just improvising. I think if Jesus wants to improvise, we should let him improvise. He's like, those guys. The, I mean, like, oh, the whole thing with the shepherds and appearing to the shepherds, the angel choir when he was born. What, what was that all about? I kind of think he was just improvising. You know? All right, that's another thing I'm not planning on talking about. Okay, so here we go. Now, here's what you need to understand. They are uh, together, and they, they do what Jesus said, the disciples, and they go, and they start praying. They go back to Jerusalem, like he said, and they wait. Now, they're in a prayer meeting, an extended prayer meeting, and one of the things they do in there is, is they replace Judas, 
who now has not only betrayed Jesus, but he's killed himself. So they replace him, and then they're praying, and they're just waiting. He said he would come, just waiting. In the meantime, it's been uh, uh, somewhere between, uh, sometime less than 10 days. Um, they're up there, and they're praying, and, and the pilgrims, who had, all, all the people who had left, the diaspora pilgrims, are now coming back, many of them, because another feast is coming. Now, we talked about this a lot in Passion Week. There's three major feasts. You got the, the Passover, uh, uh, the Feast uh, of Tabernacles, and this other one called Pentecost. And Pentecost um, is coming. And so now, Jerusalem, which had been crowded, had emptied out in a lot of ways, but some people stayed because, you know, if you're going to travel hundreds of miles, you might as well just stay with, you know, Uncle Methuselah. So it's still a lot of people, and now more people are coming back in because it's another feast. All right, so we're starting to swell again. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, so here is what this feast was all about. It's called Shavuot. Can you say that? Shavuot. Uh, if Jason Vaughn was here, he would probably be crying in his hands at my mispronunciation, but something like that. I looked it up, and it was something similar to Shavuot. So um, they, uh, this is the feast of Pentecost. Uh, um, Penta, you know, the, the, the word penta is... The root there is for 50. So this was 50 days after the Passover, okay? Um, also, it's called the Feast of Weeks because it was seven weeks and one day past the Passover as well. Um, and it was often called the Festival of First Fruits. Now, this was one of the feasts that was prescribed in the Mosaic Law. And this one was given specifically to commemorate not the Passover, but the giving of the Torah itself. Okay, because that would have flown like right with history there of them leaving Egypt, going, you know, through the, the wilderness, through Sinai or through the Red Sea to Sinai, and then the Lord gives the law. So this is to commemorate the giving of the law. And uh, I, I like this explanation. This was nice. Passover, this is a, a, um, from a Jewish scholar. Passover freed us physically from bondage, but the giving of the Torah on Shavuot redeemed us spiritually from our bondage to idolatry and immorality. So that's what this was commemorating, this feast. So everyone's coming back into Jerusalem for this feast now, while these guys are up there praying. So, you know, they're, they're up there. You just picture them travailing in prayer. You know, they're fasting. They're doing all these things. Lord, when are you going to come? And, and they just see more people. They're just, like, trickling in. And they start hearing animal noises all over. And, you know, the city is just getting crowded again. And, uh, and they're all coming for this feast. Um, they, um, this is... Uh, a, a model of what it might, the temple might have looked like. Again, we looked at a lot of this during uh, Passion Week, but I always like to go back to it because it gives us some good visuals. This temple was massive, massive, massive. And this one actually I think is an older recreation with some of the new archaeological studies. They believe the temple courtyard would have been big enough for 25 football fields. That is how big this was. This is one of the wonders of the world. It was the largest raised platform in the entire world. When it was completed, and it wouldn't have been completed just yet, it would have still been under construction. So you got to picture the cones, the orange cones and the tape and the hard hats all over, and lots of dust and jackhammers. And, um, so, but it, it was still, it could have fit tens of thousands of people. So it's not, you know, I think sometimes we picture it as if it's like in the size of our sanctuary. It was huge. So people would jam pack into the temple and into Jerusalem itself. Um, a couple more pictures here um, of, of what this 
might have looked like. Um, here you can see the surrounding city, um, and that's a panorama stitched together that somebody did. It's not like a fault. There's no earthquake in the temple. Um, you can see the surrounding buildings and houses, and, and they, uh, some scholars suggest that Jerusalem, which might have been somewhere around 700,000, I believe it was, um, would have flowed, uh, you know, just bloated to like, you know, two million people. I mean, just absurd things, and those are, you know, it's hard to get firm numbers on that, but it would have been crazy, in other words. This is not just a, a small festival. This is standing room only. This is claustrophobic people like me wanting to run and hide. Um, so, and uh, one more shot there, which is, is, is awesome. Now, the upper room, they believe, uh, would have been a big upper room, probably somewhere near the temple in, in the uh, upper Jerusalem, they call it. So, you picture them being close to the temple and lots of people flowing in there. And then, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. What kind of shocking Shocking event must this have been, even for them. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem and even staying in Jerusalem at the time, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd, now what crowd? This is the diaspora crowd that's there and the ones who are coming in. The crowd hears this noise. The crowd came together and was bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these, they're Galileans! How do they know my language? What in the world is this? How shocking would that have been? You're walking around, you're from a thousand miles away. You're from like, I don't know, uh, Medio-Persia, you know, the, area, the old area of Medio-Persia. And you've got this ancient dialect that you're proud of that you and only, only a, you know, a small group still hold on to that mother tongue and you speak it at home with your grandma and your uncles and your aunts. And suddenly you hear somebody say, Jesus is alive in that tongue. You're going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? Jesus is alive! How did you know how to say that? Can you imagine? Now, you have a whole bunch of people that are all hearing this, coming from different, you know, but to everyone else it sounds like gibberish. So to those who don't, who aren't hearing their own language spoken, they're looking at them going, are you guys drunk? So you imagine, you're one guy, are you drunk? And suddenly hears it in his language, Jesus is alive! You're like, oh my gosh, you're not drunk. Am I drunk? No, I'm not. I'm quite certain I have not drank anything that would make me drunk. How is this happening? You see that? At first, the crowds are like, what is this nonsense? Oh my gosh! And they're hearing the gospel of Christ preached in their language. Now, all these people, you have to remember, know about Jesus by now. Because news of him had spread. He was a celebrity in the Jewish world. This rabbi and all the stuff he had been doing and all the stuff that just happened to him. And people are still confused and they're still disillusioned because they had their hopes pinned to him, I'm telling you. They didn't wave palm branches, their national flag, basically. They didn't wave that for everybody. They didn't say, Hosanna in the highest. They didn't say, save us, son of David, king, Messiah, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, 
coming in to take down. They didn't do that for everybody. They did that for Jesus. And here, none of it worked out. And then suddenly someone's saying in your own language, hey, Jesus, that Messiah guy, he's alive. Can you imagine the shock that would have taken place? Well, this whole scene spills out into the streets and probably into the temple itself. Thousands, I mean, come here, if you just heard that, you'd be like, ah, they just, did you hear that? Did you hear it? He's alive. Oh my goodness. What? This can't be true. This, ah, you know, so it's spilling out everywhere. Now, what's the, what's the result? Here's, this is, I love this map. Look at this, all the people that are just specifically mentioned in the next verse that all heard it, and it was probably many more, you know? So like nations under heaven. Here's just a, just a rough sampling and where they're coming. They're coming from Rome. All the way from Rome. Paul tried to get to Rome his whole life, and he was a seasoned traveler. He was like a gold star traveler. He could go up into the Eagles Lounge, and he didn't get there till the end of his life. So you have people coming from there. That's a long way. You have them coming from, from modern-day Iraq and Iran. They're coming from long ways away and all hearing this. Now, let me ask you a question as we skip forward. Do you think these guys were going to have a story to tell when they went home? You think maybe there was some... Groundwork being laid for the good news of Jesus Christ in all these different nations. Yeah, I think so. So, people from, uh, 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 all, all these people are witnessing and they're going, are you drunk? Which is, again, kind of a silly question. It was so early in the morning too. Like, it, was, it was like nine in the morning. Like, no, they're, they're not drunk. And finally, Peter stands up. Now, I wonder if all the disciples were like, oh no, Peter, no. Peter, No. Ixne on the Akite, don't. And he stands up and he's a different man. That's all you can say. This is, this is a different man. And he gets up and says, no, these men are not drunk. But the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ has come on them. The one you crucified 50 days ago. And he, be, he preaches this unbelievable sermon. Uh, I'll just give you a, a sampling here. The Jesus, God this Jesus God raised up again. You all know he died. I'm telling you, God raised him up again. To which we are all witnesses. We, all of us, he's saying, who are spilling out, speaking these languages, we saw him. We saw him. He talked to us. Yes, I know it sounds ridiculous, but we're all witnesses. And I'm telling you, he's alive. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He's poured forth this, which you both see and hear. This that's happening in front of you that no one can explain, it's because the spirit of Jesus Christ is here. God's poured him forth out on all of us. And they go, seriously? And their response, well, uh, they, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, so when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? Because if this is true, this changes everything. And I think we're in huge trouble because we crucified him. We're in huge trouble. What are we going to do? And Peter said to them, repent. And each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's quite simple, isn't it? What a simple little, oh, just repent. Change the way you're thinking. Change your hearts and believe. Uh, go go and, and be baptized. You can make a public statement of that thing. And... <laughs> He's given you a way. You can follow him. In other words, it's not too late. It's not too late. 
Get this. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. 3,000! Boom! Uh, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And this is my favorite part. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Everyone was feeling a sense of awe. See, once again, right there in the middle of the feast, Jesus makes a massive mess and nobody knows what to do. Everyone was feeling a sense of awe, except for one group. Collective migraine. It's a thing, I'm pretty sure. You know why they're having a collective migraine? Because this just isn't fair. These poor guys. You almost, this is like Keystone Cops here. You almost feel bad for them. You're like, oh, guys. See, here's why they had a collective migraine. They, they thought they were... They thought they were through with him. They thought they had finished him off. They thought it was over, this crisis, this rabbi. They thought they were through with him. He had done wonders. He'd spoke with power and authority. People were listening. Miracles were happening left and right. People were getting healed. They were suddenly filled with awe and wonder and excitement. They were like coming alive all over the place. And they didn't like any of this. And they were sure. All they had to do was get rid of him and the whole thing's over. The rabbi was gone. And now suddenly... Oh, no, he's, he's, he's there. He's back. Oh, no, he's there, too. And he's there. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And everywhere he's going, there's, there's people who, who are being transformed, and there's people getting healed, and people are excited, and they're dancing, and they're jumping around, and they're ignoring us. We thought he was gone, but now Jesus is, is there and there and there, and now there's, like, thousands of Jesuses around. No! Hallelujah. Guys, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Can you let that sink in? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same one. What Pentecost meant was quite simple. It meant this. The spirit of Jesus Christ was now loose. You see that? He's now loose. Yeah. And this is a problem if you don't like him. You see, the spirit of Jesus Christ, before he stayed in a place, he's the spirit of, spirit of God stayed in the holy of holies behind the curtain. And Jesus Christ comes, and Jesus Christ gives his life, and now the spirit is free from that particular body, and it's free from the curtain as it's rent in two, and now the spirit of Jesus Christ is loose. That is why Pentecost matters. That is what it meant. Let me ask you, what does Pentecost mean today? Well, it simply means this. The spirit of Jesus Christ is still loose still and this is a big deal because it's easy to get intimidated by the world we're right can we have the worship team come 
It's easy to get intimidated, but the spirit of Jesus Christ is, is still loose. You guys, I've been really, uh, um, you guys have, who know me and know my family's journey, I've been really upfront and, and uh, a real champion of, I called myself a champion. <laughs> Right. Using Jeff, just, I'm using Jeff Star speak here of like, I've been trying to champion this, this idea of uh, being real, being real with God, being real with where you're at. And if you're angry and disillusioned and disappointed, that it's okay to actually tell him that. You know that? Because he can take it. First of all, he already knows it because he can see your heart. So it's really silly. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <sighs> Seriously? <laughs> I can see that you're not good. And for, to be able to tell him, you know what, no, okay, I'm not good. Because I didn't think it was going to be this way. But now I find myself surrounded by all these challenges and all these difficulties. You know, there's something that happens when you're able to say that and when you're able to be real. We face a whole lot of stuff, guys. Me, you, we all do. We all do. Broken relationships, deaths, illnesses, Issues with our spouse and our children, broken relationships, all of these things make you go sometimes, how am I going to get through this? And I'm a huge believer that we need to be honest and sometimes just raw with where we're at. Here's the thing. You have permission to do all of that. But as children of the living God, you cannot give up hope. You're not allowed to give up hope. I would have given up hope if I hadn't come to a place where I was surrounded by people that said, we won't let you give up hope. And we're going to continue to live arms in this place, in this time where you can't do it. Because we will not let you fail. We will not let you fall. We're going to continue to prop up that hope in you. And then there's something that happened as the Holy Spirit kept breathing on that hope. And I would be in, in like serious, I've sat up here and cried like a baby before from here. That hurt, by the way. That wasn't, that wasn't fun. Anyway, so, and, 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 but I'm telling you, something happened and the Holy Spirit started coming in and breathing and reminding me, you know what? Your son, he might not be having progress right now, but I, I'm going to come in and I, I haven't forgotten you and I haven't forgotten your son. And I've seen amazing things happen this spring as my, I'm seeing breakthrough with my son who has severe autism. I'm seeing him speak and do things. Now, he's got a long way to go, and sometimes it still stings because he has a really bad day, and he won't talk to me, all these things. I'm like, Lord, is he ever going to have a future? Can he ever graduate from high school and just fall in love with a book, meet a girl, fall in love with a girl, have a family? Will he ever have dear friends that he can look into the eye and have a conversation? And I still don't know if those things are going to happen. But here's what I know. Jesus Christ and his spirit is loose. Jesus Christ is here. And for that reason, I will not give up hope. Because as long as his spirit is loose, there's hope. You see what I'm saying? His spirit is, are you getting this? His spirit is loose and free and available and he lives inside of me and he lives inside of my precious boy. Amen. So I'm telling you, it's okay to be raw. It's okay to be real. Please do. Let him in those places. But you're not allowed to lose hope because he's there. And as long as he's there, you can't give up. I want to talk especially to you guys who are in difficult places and, and you feel that hope caving in. 
And I want to ask you to come forward, and we're going to sing this song again. Spirit of the living God, come forth to blow through those crevices, to blow through those places where we're weak and we feel like, Lord, I'm just, I'm just barely holding on. I want to ask you guys to come forward, if that's you. If you need a refresher of hope, because I believe he's going to give it. I want to ask the prayer servant team to come around and pray, and whoever else wants to pray. And we're going to pray that the Spirit of God is going to blow into you today, because he's alive, guys. He's alive. The Spirit of Jesus Christ is still loose.